Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our series in Jonah called Runaway, or as I like to call it, Runaway Joe. And today we're going to look at it just it's four short verses, and it's just this amazing uh, piece of scripture that you kind of go, what was he thinking? Now, before we get into this, before we start throwing a bunch of rocks uh, at Jonah, because he was just like, he was literally out of his mind at this point. I want to start by asking you a question before we jump into Jonah chapter four. The question is this, have you ever been mad at God? I mean, really mad. I, I mean, not just kind of like, oh God, really? I mean, mad at God. Like you are just, you are grumbling and fussing and, and just kind of like, God, are you serious? Is this really happening? I mean, that kind of mad. I, I Again, I can share so many stories uh, where I've been in that boat, where I just so frustrated at the stuff that's going on and what is happening and, and all of that. And today, in this part of Jonah's story, we're going to see how Jonah responds to what we talked about last week. Now, if you weren't with us last week, or if you were and you want a little refresher, kind of goes something like this. In, in the story of Jonah, uh, you've got, again, these four characters, right? You've got God, who's kind of front and center. You've got Jonah, who's the spokesperson for God. And then you've got the people of Nineveh, like 400,000 strong, who were cruel, uh, gnarly, mean, violent people. And then you've got you and I. Like, how, how do we fit into the story uh, of Jonah? And, and, how, and how number one as number two to go tell number three about number one so that number four, you and I, I can learn some lessons from this little, short, quick read uh, book called Jonah and from his life and from his experiences. Now, Jonah, uh, runaway Joe, who was just about to get so, so crazy mad. Uh, he was, as we know, a very reluctant prophet. A prophet, if you know anything about prophets in the Old Testament, uh, the saying goes that prophets always uh, were pulling into town and kept one foot in the stirrup, uh, ready to jump on the saddle and get out of town. Because usually what they did as a spokesperson for God is they delivered news on behalf of God to God's people, to God's family. And usually it was because they were doing something wrong, something they didn't want to hear about. And the prophet's job was to tell them and confront them with that thing. So being a prophet, it was a, it was a very uh, exciting uh, adventure during the time. So these people in Nineveh, who God said to Jonah, Jonah, you're my spokesperson. I need you to go to Nineveh and tell them uh, that I'm about to trash them. And Jonah's like, uh-uh, I want nothing to do with this. I'm out of here. So in chapter one, we see instead of going up to Nineveh, he heads across the sea, jumps in a boat, and heads over towards Tarshish. But what Jonah didn't realize is God was saying, look, they need help. They need my help. They need me. And I need you, Jonah, to do it. So like any self-respecting God servant, he ran the other way, right? 
he said, no, maybe there's somebody else. Maybe you could ask Nahum or one of the other prophets to go ahead and do this, but I don't want to do this at all. So God got Jonah's attention. Giant storm. He's in the boat. He's heading to Tarshish. Everybody says, it must be you. They, Jonah says, throw me overboard and the storm's going to stop because God is mad at me. And he was and it did. And then God sent a great fish to rescue Jonah. And so from the boat to the belly and the burp to the beach, there's Jonah up on the beach. And God says, now will you listen this time? Do I have your attention yet? Because I can do this all day long. And Jonah said, yes. So he headed to Nineveh. Took him weeks to get there. It wasn't a short trip. And I'm sure he was grumbling the whole time, realizing that the people of Nineveh did not want to and would not embrace the message that he was going to give them, that God was about to destroy them in 40 days. How would you like to deliver that news? I don't think so. So what took place was God's grace. Because the people of Nineveh listened to the message of Jonah and they turned and they repented and they said, God, we are so sorry. And, and they just stripped down to nothing. They said, God, whatever we need to do to make this right. And that got God's attention. And so God said, I'm not going to destroy you. Because you've repented. And so now we pick up the story in chapter four, beginning in verse one, and we're just going to look at the four first verses of chapter four. And Jonah begins this way in chapter one or chapter four, verse one. He says that this change of plans that God rescued and gave grace to the people of Nineveh, this change of plans, instead of destroying them, greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. Jonah, God's spokesperson. Jonah, who ran away from his God assignment. Jonah, who was shown grace. This same Jonah got mad at God. God turned from anger. And Jonah turned to anger. Jonah got hot at God for sparing Nineveh. And his journey, Jonah's journey, went from disobedience to thanksgiving in the belly of the fish to reluctant obedience. And now he lands at anger because God showed his grace. So I question just to, to kind of get us thinking about this a little bit is what did Jonah get angry at? Like, why was he so fired up? Well, what he got angry at was he got angry at God's goodness. Jonah, who was shown God's grace. Jonah, whose self-interest was showing. Let's move on to verse two. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you would have mercy and compassionate, because that's the kind of God that you are, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. 
You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Now check out what Jonah is saying. Jonah wanted judgment. He wanted angry God. And I'm just amazed because, again, it's what I love about Scripture. It's so honest because that's what we're like, aren't we? We want revenge. We want to get back. We want even. We want to make it right. We want somebody to pay. We want a pound of flesh. I wrote down these words. Maybe, maybe you can resonate with these. I wrote down, I want grace for me, but I want justice for you. I'll take two scoops of grace, please. Thank you very much. I think they have it across the street at the ice cream shop. God's program of forgiveness all day long. Bring it on. But you, you get nothing but God's plan for punishment. L- listen to way, the way the message, Eugene Peterson writes this in the message, Jonah verses, uh, chapter four, verses one and two. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God, God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love. And ready to drop, ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. Because that's who God is. And who did Jonah complain to? He complained to God himself, who gave Jonah grace, who gave Nineveh grace. He was saying to God, God, it's not fair. You ever said that? God, don't you know? God, haven't you been paying attention? They don't deserve it. Do you know what Jonah's problem was? Do you know what was really the problem for Jonah? It was his theology, his understanding of who God is. Theology is an understanding, theos, of God. Theology, the understanding of God. You see, he saw God as a God who was was judgmental, who hated sin. It's not wrong, but it is incomplete. Because God knows that we have a sin problem. He, He was there when Adam and Eve chose against him, against God, and sin entered in the world. It broke God's heart because he knew the consequences would be heartbreaking. Listen to these words from Moses in in Genesis at the very beginning. It says in verse 5 of chapter 6, the Lord observed, God was watching the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth. And probably the four saddest words in all of scripture, I believe, are these next four. It broke his heart. It broke his heart that he even made us because of the evil and the wickedness 
just like the people of Nineveh. But here's the part that Jonah missed. He, he got the angry God part. He got the part of, of God having a broken heart and, and, and he saw how sin was ruining us and ruining our relationships with each other, with him, with ourselves. But here's the part that Jonah missed. The part he missed is that God takes broken people and repairs them because he loves them. He loves us. It's why God sent Jonah in the first place, because Nineveh needs God. Those that are far from God's grace. If you would allow me just for one moment to simplify all of the Bible, all 66 books, all, all uh, 1600 years of, of Bible history, from Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament and New. If you would allow me just for a moment to condense it all down to one simple story. It would go something like this. It would be the story of creation that God creates, he makes. He made you, he made me, he made everything around us. He made the universe, the galaxy. He made all the particles inside of an atom. God made it all. The second big part of God's story is the fall. It's what Adam and Eve did in the garden when they chose against God instead of choosing for God, instead of being obedient to what God asked them to do. You can have all of this, don't, but don't eat of that one tree. And they did it anyway. So it's the story of creation. It's the story of the fall when sin entered into the world. But it didn't stop there. It could have stopped there. God could have turned his back at that point and goes, I'm done. Just like it said in the verse that we read earlier, it broke his heart that he even made people. But the story goes on to the story of redemption. So from creation to fall to redemption, like, like God will redeem somehow out of this brokenness, out of this broken world that we live in today. He will redeem it. He will set it right again. Which brings us to the fourth and final part of God's story. It's the, the story of restoration. God makes it new again. So from the arc of the Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, we see the theme of creation and fall and redemption. God reaching out to us and then finally restoration. It's the story of Paul. Paul, who was formerly known as Saul the bounty hunter in the New Testament, he was the greatest evangelist we've ever seen, but he didn't start out that way. He started out as somebody who would hunt Christians down. He would persecute Christians. He was trying to stop uh, this movement, this new movement called the way followers of Christ. So in one of his letters, a letter that he wrote from a Roman prison to his friends in Ephesus, in this letter, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes these words. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. And I could see Jonah, if he were to read this, he would have been going, yeah, exactly, Paul, keep going. 
You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander and power of this unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Like the enemy, Satan himself is alive and active. Paul goes on in verse 3, all of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. Thank you, Adam and Eve. By our own very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. That's the part that Jonah got right. God hates sin because it wrecks us. But here's the part that he missed. This is what Paul knew. This is what Paul experienced in his own life, going from Saul the bounty hunter to Paul the follower of Christ. Look what he says now in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, and then we're going to jump to verse 8. God, angry at our sin? Yeah, you bet. Verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Redemption through Jesus, the Son of God, through his sacrifice, his life, hanging on a cross for you and I, not because he did anything wrong. Oh, no, no, no. It's because we did. This same Jesus who God raised from the dead, his son. And it is only by God's grace that you have been saved, rescued from our sin. Verse eight, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you, by the way, can't take any credit for this because it is a gift from God to you. And like all good gifts, we need to receive it. We need to actually accept it and take it and say, this is ours. This is mine. God, thank you for this gift. So back to Jonah, who missed out on this this good stuff, the good part of who God is, the, the theology, the understanding that God is also a God of grace and mercy and compassion and love. It's the very heart of God. Grace is at the heart of our God. Who gets angry at sin? Absolutely, he should. But he overrides that with his grace. The God who is eager to forgive and to show grace, the God of the do-over. So what does Jonah do next? (laughs) In verse 3, back to Jonah's story. Chapter 4, verse 3. So Jonah says, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen, if they will not be uh, put to death, if they will not be killed. Ironic that earlier Jonah prayed to live, and now he wishes to be dead. God, they don't deserve it. Grace for me but justice for them. (laughs) Now, listen to how the Lord responds. He says, okay, Jonah, sit up straight, because I have a question for you, Jonah. Verse four, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? 
Jonah, I mean, really? Do you have any right at all to be angry at what I'm doing? That I chose to show grace to these people who repented, who turned to me. That I would show them my compassion and my love. Jonah, really? Is it right for you to be angry at me about this? The same grace that I have shown to you? And the answer is no. But here's what we do. Instead of trusting God, we question God. We question his motives. We question his character. We question his fairness. You know where that comes from? It comes from our selfishness. Because we want grace for me and justice for them. I want to close with the Jesus story. It's one of those fun stories that the, the more you, you poke around at it, the more you understand it, and, and maybe you've seen this story at the end of season one of The Chosen. Uh, it was the story of the Samaritan woman. And, and you would think if anybody were to get it right, it would be these followers of, of Jesus, these, these disciples who, who were with Jesus and saw how Jesus operated and how he related to his father and how he related to people. You'd think they would get it right. Kind of like us. We think we would get it right more times than not. So in this story, and I love this part of the story. It's in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Jesus says, look guys, we've got to go on this trip. And the scripture says, John writes, he says, he had to go through Samaria on the way. And everybody said, uh-oh. And you could see all of the disciples, all the followers of Jesus who were with him at that moment, tugging on his uh, coat saying, Jesus, are you sure you want to go this way? Like the turn is over that way. That's the way we usually go because we don't like going through Samaria. We don't like them. And Jesus, I, I got this. Trust me. Verse five, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his sons, Joseph way back in Genesis. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well, and it was about noontime, the heat of the day. Verse 7, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water at noontime in the heat of the day. And Jesus said to her, please give me something to drink. The Jews and the Samaritans were not friends. Not even close. It's why the Jews would often go miles around to not go through Samaria. Because they did not want to interact with the Samaritans at all. And this woman, as we know from the story, was a three-strike woman. She First of all, was a woman who was talking to a man, a Jewish man. Two, she was a Samaritan. And three, she had a past. Verse 8 of the story. He was alone at the time because his disciples 
had gone into Costco to buy some food there in the local village. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, I am a Samaritan woman, why are you asking me for a drink? This is way out of character. Verse 10, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you. And if you only knew who you were speaking to right now, you would ask me for a gift instead. The disciples had no idea what was going on. They had no idea about this conversation. But as they made their way back, and Jesus had this continuing conversation with this Samaritan woman, seeing who she was, seeing her value, that she was created in the image of God, that she was loved by God, even though she had a past, even though she had a present, and even though she was a Samaritan, and even though she was a woman, talking to a man in the middle of the day. Jesus finally said in verse 26, he said, you want to know who I am? Do you want to know why we're having this conversation? Do you know why I've stopped here instead of going around? It's because I am the Messiah. I am the promise. I am the one that all the scriptures point towards. I am the savior of the world. I am the son of God. And I'm here talking to you. Hmm. Well, she was so excited. She ran back to the town and she told everybody, just like Jesus was hoping, that Jesus was there. Then in verse 27, it says, just then the disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman like, Jesus, what are you doing? You're going to ruin our reputation. Stop that. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you even talking to her? Do you remember what happened over the next couple days in that little Samaritan village called Sychar? They all came to see Jesus. And many, perhaps most of them, believed in Jesus. They received God's grace. And that drove the disciples nuts because they thought it was just for them. <laughs> kind of still rings true today too, doesn't it? Grace for me, justice for you. But that's not who God is. And that's not who he wants us to be either. He wants it to be a win-win, a grace and a grace. Why? 
because we're all messy people. We all break the heart of God. And yet when we confess, when we repent, when we turn back to God, there he is with open arms, waiting and willing to receive us again, to grace us again. So here's a question as we close. Is it right or helpful or productive to question God's goodness even when it doesn't seem fair? We've all had those moments. I've had those moments. It's not fair. It's not right. It's not good. And then I see God's grace show up again. And I go, okay, I get it. I get it. God, thank you for showing me again who you are, your grace, your love, your compassion, your mercy for me, for us. When Jesse was a little girl, I, I like to share this story that one day I had had a very full day at the office. One of those days where you kind of have it up to about here and you just can't wait to get home and to your, in your own little sanctuary and just go, ah, put your feet up, have something cold to drink and just say, whew, I just need to catch my breath for a while. And on this day when I got home, uh, Netters greeted me at the door and she had kind of this silly smile on her face and I'm kind of like, okay, what's going on? What's happening here? And she says, come on in. She goes, our daughter uh, drew you a picture. I said, a picture? That'll make my day. I'm so glad that she drew me a picture. Jesse, where's the picture? In my little squirt. <laughs> Showed me where her picture was. The picture wasn't on a piece of paper. In fact, it wasn't really a picture. It was really more of a mural that went up and down in number two pencil all the way across our freshly painted wall in the hallway. I about lost it. I was like, Jesse, what have you done? Like, we, we just spent the whole weekend like taping off and, and, and painting and cleaning and, and it, well, it was pristine. And now you did this? You've messed up our wall? What are you thinking? And then because I was so frustrated and so angry and maybe just, just a tinge of, of understanding Jonah and his response in this story, I looked down at Jesse and I said, Jesse, do you want me to give you a spanking? Do you want me to give you justice for what you've done? And she looked up at me with her big blue eyes. <laughs> she said, no, dad, I don't want a spanking. And she reached up her arms and she says, I just want a hug. Oof. She come here. I grabbed her and I wrestled her and I gave her a nugget and I said, Jesse, I love you so much, but don't ever do this again. She said, okay, daddy, I won't. She just was laughing. Because she knew she was loved. She understood that she had messed up, but she knew that with her father, She's going to be okay. So I want to leave us with this. I want to suggest that we learn to lean into the hurt. 
Not yell at it, not, not get frustrated. Just lean into the hurt and say, this hurts. To be honest, to talk to God about it. And to keep it about you, not about them. Let God work in their lives. Let God grace them and forgive them and, 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 and watch as God uh, turns them and transforms them into who he designed them to be. But when you see other people receive grace and forgiveness, maybe you get a little bit fired up like Jonah did. You need to ask yourself a few questions like, why am I feeling this way? What is the hurt that is kind of bugging me? Because our heart is revealed in those moments. Our heart is revealed in, the, in this moment that says something is broken on the inside. It's our hurt, it's our disappointment, it's our frustration. Take it to God. Say, God, this is what's going on. You know, we judge Jonah, but Jonah at least took it to God. God, I want you to know I am angry and upset right now. And God goes, okay. And as we're going to see next week, God wasn't finished with that part of the conversation. But we take it to God because that's who he is and that's what he does. He repairs broken things. He repairs broken people. He repairs broken hearts. It's who he is. So I want to close with this. Does God hate sin? Absolutely, because it wrecks us. He hates to see his kids get wrecked. Number two, get angry at sin, not at God. Identify the sin, not God, but the sin. And like God, get angry at that because of what sin does. Number three, allow God to bring grace into your broken places. And thank him. Thank him for loving you in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the hurt. And finally, number four, lean into his love. Because it's unconditional. It's constant. His love for you, there's nothing you will ever do and could ever do it will cause God to stop loving you because it's who he is. So would you pray with me? Father, today as we looked at these four short verses in Jonah's story, Jonah was real. He got angry. But what he got angry at was a little misguided. And Father, it's kind of like what we do too. Jonah, Father, he got angry at you for showing your grace, your love, your compassion, your mercy, your forgiveness. But Father, it's what we need. It's who we are. We're messy people. We blow it, we step in it, we, we do things that we wish we never would have done. We say things that we wish we could take back. We think things, Father, that we know we shouldn't be thinking. And you know all of that. And yet you still love us. And so, Father, today we just want to say thank you.
Thank you for putting up with us, even though we, <laughs> we want your grace, but we also want you to give justice to others. And Father, would you help us just to be grace, grace people, grace for us and grace for them too. Would you grow our hearts in that way? Would you show us again what that grace looks like in our own lives? so that we could also experience for others what it would mean in their lives as well. So Father, thank you. Thank you for this, this little story called Jonah and how we can see ourselves in these few short pages, in these few short chapters. Because maybe we're a lot more like Jonah than we'd like to admit. And the best part, Father, is you love us anyhow. So we want to say thank you for that. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.